from the mountaintop. This is the Mountaintop with Jesus podcast, a division of WWJTL. Calling clearly across the miles, WWJTL from the mountaintop. Welcome to the Mountaintop with Jesus podcast for February 2023. I'm glad you're with us today or tonight, whichever it may be in your case. We're going to talk about the Old Testament and how Satan and his minions attempt to dissuade you and produce fear and produce faithlessness in the light of all that God has done for us. And we're going to be looking at Numbers 13 and 14 to have this lesson based in some scripture that I think is very apropos to this subject. So listen along, let's do the short music piece and then the prayer and then we'll get started. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for time that we can all spend together to discuss your ways and your word and your teaching for our lives. We thank you, Father, for being our Father, for loving us, and for loving us enough that you're jealous of our faithlessness displayed in the light of all that you do for us every day. Help us to look at that. Help us to keep our eyes on it. Help us not to be dissuaded by fear, scared into inaction. And Lord, help us to continue to hang on to you, knowing that Jesus and your love are the only ways, not only to salvation, but to live peaceably and with joy here on earth. We thank you for the lesson out of the Old Testament today. Lord, help us to realize the seriousness of having faith in you after we've seen so much in our life. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's pick up where we left in the last podcast, where we discussed the beginning of good and evil. We kind of left the situation after the fall of Eden and the sending out of Adam and Eve and the killing of uh, the brother by the other brother. And uh, we talked about several things and how good and evil started and what evil uh, wanted to accomplish what Satan wanted to accomplish. And as we come forward from that point, we have uh, evil in the world. Men are so evil that God has decided he wants to destroy the evil by the flood of the very planet that he had formed in loving hands and with a loving intent to fellowship with his created humans. And he floods the world, but he saves Noah and his wife, and Noah's three sons and their wives. And he does this through an ark. 
the ark floats on the floodwaters, and he the ark carries two of all of the animals. And as the flood recedes, then the animals lead the ark and start to repopulate the earth. A promise is made to a man named Abraham that a nation would be formed from his seed or his offspring. And although we go through, again, a series of unbelief, Abraham's wife was far along in age, and he didn't see how she was going to have a child. And God miraculously did this and helped her to be fertile and have a child. And and they went on to form Israel. Israel has 12 tribes and uh, 12 sons, the youngest of which is Joseph, who gets betrayed into slavery and betrayed into captivity by his older brothers. And Joseph then trusts God. And Joseph wears a coat of many colors. If any of you have heard the Dolly Parton song, Coat of Many Colors, it's modeled after the stories that her mother told her why she was sewing that coat, and they were from Joseph. And Joseph had the gift given to him by God of interpreting dreams, and he interpreted dreams for the king of Egypt. The king of Egypt raises him to a high point, and the nation of Israel goes, and the people of Israel multiply, and God's blessing is upon them. But now the future kings of Egypt, they're not too sure that they like Israel having all this power and authority, and so they enslave them to make their Egyptian uh, buildings and and uh, whatever it is that they want them to make. Incidentally, Joseph uh, reunites with his brothers and his father. And that's in the chapters in the book of Genesis, and you can read that. But we go forward, and the uh, Israel people cry out, and God uh, sets before them a leader named Moses. And Moses... He kind of runs away from this, and God calls him from a burning bush and says, you know, go, go. I want you to lead the people. And he does. He leads them through the waters of the Red Sea on dry land. The waters are on both sides of them as they walk through on dry land with their, as they walk through on dry land with their chariots and all their animals and all the people and children, wives and husbands and families. And, you know, it's estimated that they had almost a million people and things in that uh, exodus from Egypt. Now, let me just peremptorily say that that's where Passover comes from because the last plague to strike Egypt was that the oldest of anything, your oldest animal, your firstborn, actually I should say your firstborn, animal, son, daughter, whatever, would perish, would 
die on the night that the angel would come over Egypt. And in order that the Israel nation did not suffer this punishment, they were to put the lamb's blood on their doorposts. And the angel would then pass over them and not dispense that judgment against the people of Israel. And that blood of the lamb signifies the blood shed for us on the cross of Jesus Christ. But let's go on. And they're now on the other side of the Red Sea, and they're going through this wilderness, and Moses is the leader. And in chapter 13 of Numbers, Moses is uh, led by the Lord to send out 12 men of valor and leadership to scout out a new land, the land of milk and honey that God wanted to give the nation of Israel. And so the 12 men set out and they do the scouting of the land that God had asked Moses to look at. And upon their return, they said, oh yes, we have seen the land. Oh yes, we have seen the people. But then an interesting thing happens. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, they say, well, let's go. Let's go. We can take it. You know, they may be all kinds of things that I'll explain in a minute, but we can take it. God is with us. God is going to lead us. God is going to give us this victory. We've seen it. We know he can. And the rest of the men and people in the camp started complaining and, you know, thinking about how good it had been if they'd just stayed in Egypt. And, oh my gosh, they couldn't beat these giants. And anyway, God is so upset because the people have seen the miracles he's brought in their lives. He's lived them with them. He parted the Red Sea. He got them across. He's fed a manna. He's uh, had a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day to lead them around. And yet they do not believe because Satan has come in and he has stolen their belief. He has stolen their faith in God the Father because of what they can see and what they refused not to see in the Lord. And this is really important, and I'm going to kind of take this apart a little bit for you. And so the punishment or the working out of God's anger against the people was that he would allow a, the generation of faithlessness to pass away. Only two people of that generation were allowed to go over to the promised land, and that was the two that believed, Joshua and Caleb. Now, just parenthetically, because I know there's a discussion on this, there is a discussion 
about Deuteronomy and the verses in Deuteronomy where Moses seems to be talking to the people who had come across the Red Sea, and perhaps they went into the promised land uh, with Joshua. I'm, I'm not sure about that. I don't even have a definitive answer. But I'm going to stick with the uh, message that God gave to the people of the doubting generation in Numbers 13 and 14, in that I don't believe any of them went over into the promised land. But I do acknowledge there's some discussion about this. And so what do we learn from this? There's a lot that we can learn from this about a way that we relate to God our Father and what we lose in faithlessness. What do we lose? And I'm going to talk about these items that they lost today in our lesson but I wanted to explain the background and how we get to Numbers 13 and 14 so that you can look it up in your own Bible and see what you think about it. So what do we learn? First thing that we learn is that we cannot forget all that God has done for us. Now, I'm not saying we can't forget it like we can't forget it or that it won't come to our mind. What I am saying is we shouldn't forget all that God has done for us. The first thing is Jesus dying upon the cross for us and our sins. The second is as we develop our relationship with the Lord, he's going to show us ways that we are loved and we are cared for day by day. We need to remember those things. And one of the best ways to remember those things, to write some of them down, maybe something happened really big in your life and you just know God was in it. You just know you heard through the Holy Spirit that he was teaching you something or you learned something about his word or something that helped you grow happened in your life between you and God the Father through Jesus and through the Holy Spirit. And you should write that down because sometimes when we're tempted to doubt, one of the most important things is for us to remember all that God has done. I think this is the actual part of the story that made God the angriest, but I can't presume to be God, but he had done so much, and he says, oh, man, how long have I got to deal with these faithless people? I've done all this for them. I've, I've got them across the Red Sea. I've done this. I've defeated their enemies. I've delivered them. And they don't remember it, or at least they don't act like they remember it. And they want to even go back to the place where they were, they were in captivity and slavery. 
So number one, remember the good things. Remember all that God has done for you. Or even some bad thing that you thought was going to turn out horrible and it turned out well. Write it down. Make a note of it. Keep a journal maybe or just even just keep some note cards and write it down and stick it in there. Some days you need to look at it just to remember that. Number two, I think the second thing that we learn from this is after you see it all, after you read uh, maybe your cards that you put away, you have a choice, okay? And this choice is, are you going to be faithless and run away from God? Or are you going to be faithful and run toward God with your hands outstretched? Believing that whatever situation you face, it can be dealt with. And God is on your side. And he will deliver you. He will give you the victory. He will defeat the giants that you see looming over you and threatening you in your current life. That's number two. That would be, that's what Caleb and Joshua presented when they came back and said, yeah, all that's true. But our God is bigger than that. We know that because we lived it. And so, we need to say that, yeah, I see the giants, yes. But my God is bigger than that. I have a great big God, and he's cool. Number three, we're going to study more about faith. We're going to study more about how we can use the tools that God has given us to retain our faith and be like Joshua and Caleb. But I want to borrow from that for just a second in that I want to remind us of the words that God had given these people. They had heard in many, many cases of the covenant made between Abraham and the people of the nation of Israel. And they had been reminded and reminded and, and they knew of it. And they didn't choose to believe the words that came from God's mouth. We need to look at a situation and transform our faithlessness, that's tough to say, into faithfulness by remembering what God told us. Not only do we remember the good things that he has done in our life, not only do we remember uh, his love, but we remember his words into our life. I'm with you. I'll be with you. You know, there are situations that I don't want to get into, and they think, how am I going to handle it if it ever happens? And I, I guess I wind up realizing that I know God will go with me. I don't like it, but I know he'll go with me. I know he'll comfort me. When I think about the Old Testament, I think about Daniel and the lion's den. You know, we're going to throw you in with all those lions. Well, kitties, I hope you're not too hungry. And they were being starved, so they'd be good and hungry. And yet when Daniel was thrown in there, he, uh, uh, you know, he coexisted with those lions and came out the next morning. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And it looks pretty hot down there. Yeah, my God is with us. And there were four in that fiery furnace. And it was such a testimony to the king that he himself said, I see a fourth person in there. There is a lot of, and, and myriads of God's working in the Old Testament. Please read it. I know a lot of Christians sometimes say, what am I going to learn out of the Old Testament? It's a treasure trove of ways in which God has healed, helped, protected, led, uh, destroyed the enemies, and held up his nation of Israel and blessed it, blessed it beyond belief, beyond our worldly understanding, blessed it in only a way that God the Father can bless that nation of people. That was his nation. That was his land. The next item to learn is, which I think is number four, is the consequences. And I spoke about this in when I talked about the consequences of sin. Well, this had consequences, and the consequences are, if the other hypothesis is not true, the consequences here are that the generation of faithlessness even after seeing all that God had done, knowing his word, knowing his promises to them, they died. That generation was never to see the promised land, never to enter into the milk and honey that God had waiting for them. That's a shame. That's a shame. So close to God, and yet so far because of their unbelief from the land of milk and honey and blessings. Number five, if you read numbers, you will see uh, several incidences where God will say, if you do all that I say, this is what I will do for you. That's important. Keep my commandments. Keep my ways. Look at Proverbs in our modern time and look at what Proverbs say to do and not to do and keep those ways in your heart and in actions. And you will find the fruits of the land of milk and honey. Maybe not in your land, but in your heart. And that's the most important place to have the fruits of the land of milk and honey is in your heart. You'll find ways to have peace. You'll find ways to get along. You'll find ways to understand what God is doing, not what the world is doing. Now, coming to conclusion, what did Satan throw in their way? 
What did the devil do to them? First of all, he destroyed an entire generation because of their faithlessness, their turning away from God. Second of all, he did not allow them to enter into the land of milk and honey. They had to wander in the desert. Now, even wandering in the desert, God was taking care of them, but they had to wander in the desert. They were not allowed to go into the promised land. Third, he paralyzed their actions with doubt and fear, anguish. He paralyzed their actions. Fear is one of the most paralyzing emotions that we can face. Now, true, there's a fright and flight in our existence, which if we get afraid, we might run from it. But that only lasts for so long. And then that emotion dries up. It becomes short-lived. And if we still live in that fear, we will actually stop in our motion and fear of where to go next, and we won't do anything. In fact, we'll try to go backward, like the people in our lesson today. We'll try to go backwards. We'll try to run into some safe place or safe thing that we know. We'll become paralyzed from action in the Lord. Joshua and Caleb weren't paralyzed. They wanted to go over there and, you know, kick some tail and capture the land and live in the place that God called them to. But the rest paralyzed in fear. They couldn't move. They didn't know what to do. All they could do was think about moving back. And it cost them. It cost them a lot. It cost them dearly. Now, we don't want to be paralyzed in fear. We want to be, even as the giants are ahead of us, we want to be victorious in the Lord's might. And I can't help but think the story would have, much, would have not made such an impact on our life, but the story would have much, been much more splendid had they all just said, yeah, let's go. And they walked into the land of milk and honey. At least for those who passed away, it would have been much more splendid. Satan lies to us. You can't win this, okay? You can't, you can't win it. You can't, uh, I don't care how much might you got. They're giants. I don't care how much manpower you got. They're well-armed. They're bigger than you. You're going into their home territory. You can't win this. Satan is a liar. And he lied to those people. The truth was that Satan knew that God could have the victory. He knew that. But he lied to the people's hearts. Satan's a liar. Don't ever forget that. Don't believe his lies. Believe God's promises. Don't become faithless 
become faithful in God, not in yourself. Oh, no, you probably can't capture the giant, and defeat the giant yourself. You can do what the Lord tells you to do. Maybe you have a talent and you should use it. But the victory is not in your might. The victory is in the might of God and his son, Jesus Christ. And the power of the Holy Spirit directing you to live the promises of God by keeping the word of God. Incidentally, that's one of my great concerns for this nation. We seem not to be able to live the word of God. And therefore, we cannot inherit the protection, the peace, the milk and honey of God. So our lesson from the Old Testament is you're going to run into all kinds of trouble. I can guarantee it. I don't even have to think about that. You're going to have giants in your life. You're going to have insurmountable situations. You're going to have things that you don't understand how you're going to make it through. There's giants out there. But God is God. And he will bring the victory. He will defeat the liar, Satan. Now, if he doesn't do it here on earth, like you said, well, I lost the battle, I died. Well, that's true. But if you did, where do you wind up? You wind up in victory, in heaven, with God the Father, with the Son, Jesus Christ, and with the Holy Spirit. Once you've been there, once you've visited that land of milk and honey, you'll say, how did I ever want to stay in that garbage heap called the world? Oh, sure, there's some pretty things about it, but the joys and glamour and beauty of heaven will outweigh everything that you have ever experienced here on earth. Don't lose sight of that. Be faithful and remember this lesson from the Old Testament. Have a blessed day. Thank you. This is your host of The Mountaintop with Jesus. WWJTL. This is The Mountaintop with Jesus podcast, a division of WWJTL. From the mountaintop. WWJTF